welcome all to episode 5 of the Mildly Defensive Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Matt Jordan, here as always with my buddy Brandon Kroos. Brandon, how are you, man? I'm doing good. Football is back, so life is good. Football is back. I uh, I think we can speak for everyone out there in saying that, um, you know, with, with everything I think that's been going on in, in the country uh, and some of the challenges, um, last night was probably the most normal, if, if normal is the right word there, <laughs> that I have that I have felt in a long time. Um, just, you know, sitting down, uh, watching some football with my wife. It was um, it was absolutely great. What did you think about the game last night? Uh, I mean, there, there are certainly a lot of surprises. I don't think that it was necessarily any surprise that the Chiefs ran away with it. Um, I thought the Texans would have been a little bit more competitive. Um, I think the loss of DeAndre Hopkins, I don't think anyone thought that the loss of DeAndre Hopkins would impact them as much as it did. That offense just looked lost. Yeah. I mean, I think you particularly saw it with... Um with Watson, you know, it just, it, <clears throat> he certainly still trusts Will Fuller. Um, but I think mm-hmm. you, you know, you certainly saw last night that Will Fuller, I think functions better as a number two wide receiver. Um, that's no offense to him. I thought he had a great game. I mean, I think he had eight catches for over a hundred yards, even though, you know, a decent chunk of that was in garbage time. Yeah. Um, but, um, wow. Yeah. I, I wonder if, uh, Bill O'Brien was thinking a little bit about his life choices last night. Um, although to be fair, David Johnson actually looked great. Um, but something tells me that he probably could have gotten David Johnson without sacrificing DeAndre Hopkins. Well, yeah. And and that was the thing that David Johnson came out, looked really well through what, like the first quarter. And then like Bill O'Brien just like forgot that he was on the team. And then you didn't see him again until the fourth quarter. I mean, he only had 11 carries. He was averaging seven yards a carry at 77 yards and a touchdown. Like, how are you not giving him over 20 carries with the way he was looking to start that game? Yeah, I think part of the issue there was that, um, you know, I didn't look at the final stats, but Kansas City, I think, possessed the ball for two-thirds of the game. Um, you know, so I think that that definitely sapped the opportunity. Well, um, when you when you don't run the ball, it's pretty easy to control it for the other team. I mean, it's... That's fair. <laughs> you know... <laughs> So, I mean, and this is a, a completely different thing, but I mean, you know, out outside of losing Hopkins, I mean, I think the most obvious loss for the, the Texans last night was DJ Reader. Um, I mean, the the Chiefs were not a particularly great running football team last mm-hmm. year. Now, of course, they didn't have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire last year. But with that being said, I mean, they ran all over the Texans last night. And I mean, you'd have to think that the Texans are really hurting missing DJ Reader. Well, in... I, I don't know if you noticed this, but I was watching the game. They were moving J.J. Watt a lot more inside. They were yep. lining him up more at D-tackle, which for IDP purposes is probably great because now you've got a excellent pass rusher two feet away from the quarterback. Like He's probably going to see a nice boost in, in that regard. But in terms of like against the run, I think they're certainly giving up a lot in that regard. Yeah, and you saw it. I mean, uh, Kansas City loves to run, you know, some of those kind of outside zone plays, and that was open all night. I mean, there was just very little push other than on the goal line, you know, and um, one of the things I'm sure we'll talk about with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I know you and I were talking about it last night in our chat, um, 
he easily could have had four touchdowns last night. Mm-hmm. And most of the reason that he didn't get those four touchdowns, I mean, I'm interested in your analysis on this as well, but for me watching, I didn't see anything that I thought the rookie did wrong last night. I saw JJ Watt being an incredible football player. Um, on most of those plays where, you know, Edwards Hilaire was in on the one yard line, Watt was just knifing through two offensive players yeah. and blowing the play up. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. was he was a one man wrecking crew. It doesn't show up in the the stat sheet. I think he only had like two or three tackles, no sacks, um, a couple quarterback hits. But watching the game, he looked like JJ Watt. He looked incredible. Yeah, and I mean, I think the Chiefs' offensive line did not do their running back any favors down around the goal line, but he also didn't look like he had a whole lot of power to push it through. I, I mean, when you're down at in that point, you're, you know, you're running through a linebacker to get to the end zone. I, I think it was Zach Cunningham who just basically stopped him in his tracks and pulled him back away from the goal line in the first half, I think. Um, yeah. There were two defenders in on that play though, to, to Edwards yeah. credit. I think he had one low and then Cunningham got him high and drove him backwards. Yeah. And, and I, I think it was certainly good. To, I mean, I think he had like something like eight carries inside the three yard line and he wasn't able to punch it in, which you can look at it as being a good thing that Andy Reid was willing to give him that many carries close to the goal line. And hopefully talent like um, shows up and he he's going to get more touchdowns because he's getting the work there. But if he continues to struggle in that area, like, how much longer does Andy Reid go with that? Does he maybe switch to a Daryl Williams? Does he maybe look at, I mean, Devontae Freeman's still out there. Like, that was, it was good to see him get those carries, but it was also concerning to see him not get in the end zone, and you wonder how long Andy Reid's willing to let that go on because if he is able to punch those in, I mean, you're talking a top five running back this year. Oh, I would agree. Um, and, And I think, you know, one game with J.J. Watt on the other side of the field is, you know, I'd be stunned if Andy Reid already had that much trust in CEH to give him those opportunities. Mm -hmm. I I can't imagine that he'd go away from him unless, you know, there's something that he sees there that we don't know about. Like, you know, Edwards Hilaire was supposed to go to another gap with it and was just Mm -hmm. running into, you know, the back of linemen. Um, To me, it looked more like issues with blocking assignments than with Edwards Hilaire not running the ball well. Yeah. Uh, but to your point, I mean, if if that continues, um, this is a team that wants to win a Super Bowl. You know, they're they're not going to uh, stick with something that's not working. Um, but I thought it was heavily encouraging in the first game of the year, prime time, <laughs> to see Edwards Hilaire get the absolute lion's share of the work. I I thought coming into this game that Daryl Williams would be more involved than he was. Daryl Williams was the third down back, and that's it. Yeah, Edwards Hilaire was the guy. Um, and you I know, mean, I, I, we we tweeted this out earlier, but um, I, you know, we we had come in pretty strong here. I mean, I think I had said, you know, lock him in as a top seven back. I might have been low. <laughs> I mean, yeah. after watching last night, you know, where he wasn't even getting targeted in the passing game, and he didn't punch those touchdowns in at the end zone, this could be a top three back. Um, yeah. I'm not I'm not guaranteeing that, but like with that workload last night in this offense, this could be a top three back. Yeah, and you mentioned it like he only had two targets. I think that was one of the biggest surprises to me was that he wasn't involved more in the passing game. 
Um, I mean, that was one of his strengths coming out of college was his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. So again, like when we talk about these things where he wasn't getting the targets or he was struggling at the goal line, I, I think this is not something that you should act on right away. I think it's something that you need to monitor and, and look at trends. I think with no preseason games, one of the things that I was looking at was snap counts. I really thought these teams were going to come out and try to manage the players' workloads just because there was no preseason game, almost treat it like that third preseason game where they see 60-70% of the snaps. But all indications looked like they were everyone was full go that could go. Um, but one of the things that I'm looking at here that I'm just shocked at, and I can't remember the last time this happened, but the Chiefs finished with more rushing attempts than passing attempts. Yep. And <laughs> like, <laughs> part of that I do think was game script that yeah. you know, they – <clears throat> seize control of the game in the first half and then you know I think that they they kind of took their foot off the gas part of it I think was also how the Texans played them the the Texans were, were really playing a shell um, they weren't challenging at the line of scrimmage uh, anyone that saw that playoff game last year knows that the Texans got torched in man defense mm-hmm. um, you know Mahomes just lit them on fire it seems like they were very cognizant of that their plan was to make Mahomes march the length of the field. Uh, and Mahomes, to his credit, and Andy Reid, to his credit, um, they'll beat you however you want them <laughs> to beat you. Um, so they did it by, by running and, uh, you know, short passes. Um, yep. You know, it was amazing to see Mahomes with that many attempts and that few yards. Um, but, I mean, that also shows his maturity at this point as a, you know, a True. star in the NFL. He's going to take what you give him and um, – so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what that looks like moving forward for sure. Um, so uh, this week's uh, episode, um, so as a reminder from episode four, uh, in terms of what our in-season episodes will look like, we're always going to try on Friday or Saturday to have a start-sit episode out for you so you can anticipate those coming out every week. On Tuesdays, we'll be talking about waiver wire priorities, and we'll try to also in that Tuesday episode um, put any quick hitting thoughts in there about Thursday's matchup uh, so that you have some of those um, knowing that the start sit won't be out until after Thursday's matchup. Um, So that's what you have to look forward to. So today we'll be talking about week one start sits. Um, We're going to go position by position. We'll look at the expert consensus ranking, much like we did in our preview episodes. Um, We'll we'll go through that expert consensus ranking, and then we'll talk about some players that we're a little bit lower on and some players that we might be higher on that you could stream um, at matchups. One, uh, I guess, note to put out there for the listeners, we really want these episodes to be useful for you. So if there's other information that you want us to cover. If there's a different way you want us to cover this information, if there's players that we're missing, uh, please reach it out to us on Twitter at mildly defensive. We take all of your feedback very seriously and we want to make these episodes fun and useful for you. So um, let us know what that feedback is and we're happy to make alterations and, and do the best that we can to get you the information that you need and get it to you in a timely fashion. So, Brandon, um, why don't we get into the news first and then we'll get into quarterbacks. What news uh, do you have uh, leading up to week one here? Yeah, so I think one of the positives is it looks like David Montgomery's actually going to play this week. Um, He suffered that groin injury in training camp that just, I think, everyone held their breath when they saw the video of him going down. Um, It looks like he was practicing on 
uh, yesterday, Wednesday, or Thursday. Um, so it looks like he's going to potentially be good to go. And, and obviously the Lions defense hasn't been good, so that's a good matchup there. But it'll be interesting to see what he does today. Um, so that there was that. There was obviously the Danielle Hunter going on IR. I mean, that was a big blow to that Vikings defense. Um, thankfully, they do have Yannick Nagakwe now, um, so there won't be too much of a drop. But, um, yeah, that was a big blow, and he'll be out at least the next uh, three weeks. Um, Thomas Davis, who's now with Washington, um, he did not practice on Thursday. He's got a calf injury, so it looks like he probably will not be going this week. Um but fire, I think fire up your John Bostic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think just like the general thing is that you're seeing a lot of teams having to deal with these hamstring injuries just because of shortened training camps and no preseason games. Um, so I, it's definitely come Sunday morning. It's going to be very important to look at all these injury reports and make sure all your guys are are ready to go. Absolutely, um, and. Uh, you know, I think the only other ones that, that I know that folks have been monitoring and that we're monitoring is some of these other, you know, kind of minor injuries. So, I mean, Miles Sanders, um, it looks mm-hmm. like, you know, he is going to play, but there's been, you know, buzz about him potentially being on some sort of a snap count this week, maybe even the first few weeks um, to kind of monitor his workload. I would have to guess that you're still playing Miles Sanders. Is that accurate, Brandon? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep, I would be as well, especially against um, Washington, um, although I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit more about Washington. Um, I think because of the dual threat nature of Miles Sanders, you have to put him out there. Even if he doesn't have a great game on the ground, I think that he could certainly have a great game through the air. Yeah. And then there's, uh, I think, just some you know kind of wide receivers that are a little nicked up as well. So, for instance, Brandon Cooks was nicked up. He played last night. Um, did not have a great game. Um, and, you know, I'm not sure how much of that was potential snap count stuff. Um, you know, the, the other issue that we're seeing, as Brandon mentioned, with these shorter training camps and no preseason games is if you've been missing camp with an injury, that's time that you didn't spend with your quarterback. Um, and that's a big issue, too. So, I mean, last night, you know, as we, we talked about earlier, so not to belabor it, um, you could tell that Deshaun Watson was very comfortable with Will Fuller someone that he already has rapport with, not with these other receivers. Um, that's something that they're going to have to develop on the fly through the season. There's going to be other players that are going to be in that same boat where if they don't already have that rapport, you might see a slow start to the season. Yeah, and just one other name I, I forgot is Kenny Galladay. He showed up with a hamstring injury on Wednesday, and then he missed practice on Thursday. And when you trend that way, it's never a good thing. So I, he's definitely, if you have Kenny Galladay, you need to make sure that he's ready to fully go Sunday. Absolutely. As Brandon was mentioning, you're going to want to keep track of those, you know, do not practice or limited practices. You want to at least see Kenny Galladay get in a limited practice leading up to Sunday. If not, yep. that, that does not bode well for him playing. Um, although that would bode very well for Marvin Jones Jr. Yes. All right. Well, with that in mind, let's get into the quarterbacks. So we are going to start with the expert consensus ranking for the quarterback ones. So quarterback one through 12, Uh, Pat Mahomes, of course, who played last night, certainly lived up to the billing with three touchdowns. Uh, Number two is Lamar Jackson. Number three, Dak Prescott. 
number four, Russell Wilson, number five, Deshaun Watson, who really also lived up to the billing, but in garbage time, we might talk about that. Uh, number six, Drew Brees, seven, Josh Allen, eight, Matt Ryan, nine, Carson Wentz, 10, Ben Roethlisberger, 11, Kyler Murray, 12, Tom Brady. So Brandon, um, as I read that top 12, is there anyone standing out to you, you know, that you're either higher on, lower on? Um, what, what thoughts do you have? Yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, the one the one that jumps out right away is Josh Allen. I know that I was kind of down on him when we talked about it for draft, but this is a great matchup for him. I mean, he's going up against the Jets defense that is just absolutely decimated with injury. They've already lost C.J. Mosley. Avery Williamson doesn't look like he's playing. They traded Jamal Adams. Like, they really don't have anybody, and you have – Josh Allen, who's now going into his, I believe, third year in this offense, he he's going to put up some big numbers, I think, this week. Um, going down the list, I like Carson Wentz at Washington. I think that's a good matchup. Uh, big Ben against the Giants, same thing. Giants have no secondary. Um, one that I'm kind of lower on, and I'd probably be hesitant to start, is Kyler Murray. I mean, just the 49ers defense is very very strong and I would consider um, playing someone like looking down this list even a Jared Goff against Dallas I probably would start over Kyler Murray yeah I'm actually right there with you Kyler didn't play very well against San Fran last year either Um, now a a lot of this is going to be based on your roster construction so if you've drafted Kyler high if you don't have room on your bench to get a second quarterback of course you're not dropping Kyler um you know so if you have to roll with him I think he has a high enough floor based on his rushing that he's going to provide you something in this matchup but I think if you have a way out of it um I would agree with Brandon I think that there's better options um than Kyler I'd start with Roethlisberger there I'm sure I'm going to bring this matchup up a couple times um (laughs) But the Giants' secondary is brutal. Um, I mean, you essentially have James Bradbury, and that's it. Um, <laughs> it's really not a good situation. Uh, Corey Ballantyne is the other outside corner for the Giants. Corey Ballantyne, uh, to be honest, I'm borderline shocked that he's still on the roster. Um, they did bring in Logan Ryan, but Logan Ryan has not had a whole lot of time um, to kind of get acclimated, and there's still question about what his position is going to be. They lost Xavier McKinney. Uh, Julian Love is a fine player, but not a great player. Um, and, you know, Peppers has never been known for his coverage ability. It's more about being kind of a box safety in there. Um, I think Roethlisberger is going to have a very big day against the Giants, much to my chagrin. Um, so, yeah, if you, I, I would say, you know, kind of Cam Newton, Goff, Roethlisberger, um, you know, those are just a few names. Um, I would probably even consider rolling um, Gardner Minshew, guys like that, in over Kyler Murray this week. That's, well, a, that's a tough matchup. Yeah, I mean, going down the list, I'm looking at these quarterbacks between like 16 and, and 23 that I think have really, really good matchups. You got Jimmy Garoppolo going against the Cardinals, Rodgers going against the Vikings secondary that just isn't what it used to be. I mean, Tyrod Taylor against the Bengals, Derek Carr against the Panthers with their new defensive coordinator and head coach, Um, even Phillip Rivers against the Jaguars. I mean, I think those are all very winnable matchups that if you don't feel very confident in the quarterback that you drafted, I think those are great 
replacements, at least for this first week. Yeah, I, I love those calls. Um, any any other streamers you wanted to talk about, or should we move on to running back? No, I, I think that's um, unless we want to talk about Mitchell Trubisky against the Lions. <laughs> so <laughs> I, uh, I I I know we've uh, we've we've trashed Trubisky a little bit. To his credit, he did win the job. Um, yes. And statistically speaking, uh, the one team in his young career that he has actually tormented and that has not tormented him has been the Lions. And the Lions have not gotten any better. They've only gotten worse on defense. Um, that being said, I think unless you're in a two-quarterback league, there's a lot of better options that I would feel more comfortable with than Trubisky. But in a two-quarterback league, absolutely. I think if, if you want to stream Mitch Trubisky, this is yeah. your week to do it. I think that he could definitely put up some numbers against the Lions. Yep. All right, running back. So we'll read off the running back ones and twos here uh, quickly and then give you some analysis. Uh, no surprise, CMC is number one. Uh, Zeke, Dalvin Cook, Saquon, Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, Austin Eckler, Joe Mixon, CEH at number 10, which now looks like it was probably a little <laughs> bit low. Uh, that is one guy that I'm higher on. Gonna... <laughs> You're a little higher on CEH? Uh, yeah. yeah. That's a that, that's some good analysis. I feel really good about that. Um James Conner at 11, Aaron Jones at 12 to round out the RB1s. And then for the RB2s, we have Miles Sanders, Chris Carson, Kenyon Drake, Nick Chubb, Todd Gurley, uh, David Johnson. Do you want to provide any analysis on that one? (laughs) I'm going to say he should be higher. (laughs) A little higher. Um, Mark Ingram at 19, uh, Raheem Mostert at 20, Melvin Gordon Lev Bell, Jonathan Taylor, and then rounding out the RB2's Devin Singletary. Your boy. Yeah. I'm going to say he should be lower. (laughs) Um, So anyone that's standing out particularly higher or lower for you in the top 24 running backs? Yeah, so just running through this list, I'm, again, I say this, and we kind of talked about this, so I'm going to steal your thunder a little bit, but like, when we say we're lower on a guy, that doesn't necessarily mean you bench him, but like Saquon Barkley has a tough matchup against the Steelers. Um, Alvin Kamara has a kind of a tough matchup against the Bucks. I really like Austin Eckler um, against the Bengals. I think the Bengals is another team that, especially early on, their defense is going to try to f- be trying to figure out what they're doing, and I think teams are going to be able to put up big points against them. Um, I really like Miles Sanders against Washington. Uh, Kenyon Drake and Nick Chubb are two guys that I'm scared of a little bit. Uh, I mean, there was reports of Kenyon Drake in a walking boot during training camp. Now he's got the 49ers to start. I mean, you've probably used the first round pick to get him. So it may be very tough to bench him. And I would only bench him if you had really good running backs to replace him with. Um, but he's another guy that I just don't think is going to put up points. Um, One of the things that I saw that I was actually really surprised about was Jonathan Taylor. So I read a report that the Colts supposedly drafted Taylor to spell Marlon Mack, which if that's the case, his first year in the league is going going to be very limited. So to see Taylor ahead of Marlon Mack, who's at 25, was a little surprising to me. Yeah, the the Jonathan Taylor situation is 
going to be one of the more fascinating ones to watch. Um, we know that there's a lot of coach speak in the offseason. Um, but with that being said, you know, like you have to at least listen to what these coaches are saying. And from the day that they drafted Jonathan Taylor, um, Frank Reich and the Colts organization have been very firm about the idea that Marlon Mack is still in the plans. Naheem Hines is still in the plans. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I think a lot of the people that are very high on the talent that Jonathan Taylor has um, have had the assumption that his talent will win out. Um, and I'm still, I think, in that camp that yeah. it's going to be really hard to watch Jonathan Taylor running over and through defenders um, and to continue to roll with Marlon Mack. Um, but with that being said, Marlon Mack has really never been bad in this offense. I mean, his his only issues, generally speaking, have been his health. Um, yep. And Naheem Hines has never been bad in this offense either. So, um, it, Which, to that point, Jonathan Taylor may end up being a good play here because the Colts are expected to run through the Jaguars. Like it, It's going to be a blowout probably by the third quarter. So to save Marlon Mack and his health, they may just pound the rock with Jonathan Taylor. So it's going to be dependent on game script. I think if they get a big lead, Jonathan Taylor could be in, in line for a good day. But I saw that report, and, and like you said, they have not wavered on their um, talking points of Marlon Mack is still going to be involved in this offense, and obviously that hurts Taylor's value. Yeah, I think that in, my best guess right now is that um, – this is definitely going to be, you know, Marlon Max. He's going to get the majority of the first and second down work, I think, to start the year. I do mm-hmm. think that they believe that Naheem Hines is the third down guy. Um, so, you know, that's that's trouble for Jonathan Taylor early on. Um, what I would say is that if you drafted him and you had to use some pretty significant draft capital to get him, yeah. um, you're playing him this week against the Jaguars. Yeah. Uh, and I do think he's going to have a good week. I'm actually higher on Jonathan Taylor than that running back 23 rank that he has. I would be stunned if you don't see him break off at least one or two huge runs. Um, he's very talented. The Jaguars defense is not uh, I, I think that uh, Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack, I mean, I, I wouldn't fire up Naheem Hines because I don't think yeah. that they're going to see third down maybe ever in this game. Um, so that's probably not a good play. But but I think uh, Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor, I think you're very safe with both of these guys. Um, the the only other ones I think I would I would definitely echo what you said about Saquon. Um, once again, uh, you know, we're not telling you to bench Saquon, um, unless you are in the incredibly unlikely scenario of also, uh, managing Dalvin Cook and Josh Jacobs on your roster, um, then you are, you're playing Saquon Barkley. Uh, with that being said, I would temper expectations. Uh, Pittsburgh is one of the best, if not the best run defense in the NFL, um, they suppressed running back point production to an incredible degree last year. Uh, Saquon's going to have a really hard time. Uh, I can promise you that the Giants are going to have a very, very difficult time running the ball against Pittsburgh this week. What's going to be really interesting to watch, and I'm sure we'll talk about this next week, is how involved Saquon is in the passing game. Uh, so we know that that took a big dip last year, uh, and he was an incredibly... Uh, active in the passing game with my boy check down Eli in there. Um, so, you know, the question is like, how much does Jason Garrett involve Saquon in the passing game? Uh, 
I think if we find that he's not very involved in the passing game this week, when I'm anticipating that the Giants are going to be down early and often and significantly um, against Pittsburgh, I think that's going to be a very worrisome sign for Saquon managers moving forward because this is probably going to be a frequent trend with the Giants. Um, their their defense, you know, is is about as firm as a wet paper bag. Um, and if Saquon is not heavily involved in that passing game, that's that's really going to cause concerns for, um, you know, what his outlook looks like. All right, let's move into the wide receivers. So for the top 24 wide receivers, once again, no surprise, we have Michael Thomas at number one, and then Devontae Adams, Julio, Tyreek Hill, uh, that one. I mean, he did end up scoring, but um, probably not the target volume you were hoping for week one for Tyreek. Uh, God, Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson, DJ Moore, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, they, they definitely missed him last night. Yeah. <laughs> Kenny Galladay at nine. Brandon talked about the potential injury concerns there. Juju at 10. Adam Thielen at 11. Robert Woods at 12. So that rounds out the wide receiver ones. For the wide receiver twos, Calvin Ridley at 13 AJ Brown, Mike Evans, also injury concerns there uh, to monitor Cooper Cup, Keenan Allen, Tyler Lockett, Terry McLaurin, uh, Amari Cooper, who apparently is healthy at 20, uh, (laughs) DJ Chark, DK Metcalf, OBJ, and Will Fuller, um, who looks pretty good in retrospect at number 24, uh, rounding out the top 24 receivers. So Brandon, any, as you're looking at this, that are standing out to you um, that you're higher or lower on? Yeah. I mean, it, it is interesting to see like Allen Robinson and DJ Moore as high as they are at six and seven. I think they do have good matchups. Um, if Mike Evans is out, I would move Chris Godwin even higher up. I think it's the workload that Godwin's going to get. Um, it's going to be significant and probably what's going to be a shootout with the saints. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, like, again, I know you probably used a high draft pick on him if you have him on your team, but we kind of talked about it earlier with Brandon Cooks. Like, when you have a quarterback and a wide receiver who's no preseason, um, short in training camp, like, are they on the same page? And now you got it going up against the 49ers defense that's one of the best in the league. Like, that's a little concerning to me. Um, one of the things that kind of jumped out to me that I was really surprised at was to see Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf in the top 24. Like I know he's going against, they're going against the Falcons and the Falcons don't have the best defense, but the Seahawks have typically been a run heavy offense. So to see both of those wide receivers essentially as wide receiver twos um, was a little surprising to me. Yeah, my guess is that this is a game script uh, guess by the the experts. Mm-hmm. Um, Seattle's defense is not the legion of boom anymore. Um, they they're kind of the legion of of getting boomed at this point. I mean, they you know they're they're definitely rebuilding that that defensive core. It'll be interesting to see what that Jamal Adams move looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that folks are guessing that this is going to be a shootout. And if it's a shootout, I mean, that is a great week to have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Yeah. Uh, Cause we certainly know that uh, Russell Wilson is more than capable of throwing the football and doing so very well. Um, so if that is the case, I mean, if this turns into a shootout between these two teams, those guys are going to be great. 
So one that I'm definitely lower on, um, you know, and it, Brandon and I are certainly in the trenches with, with you all on this. So, you know, we'll kind of bring stuff up um, when it pertains to us as well. Um, so I we had our, our uh, you know, kind of league of record um, CP league draft on Friday. Um, I was uh, I put myself in the unenviable position of drafting Amari Cooper. Uh, I don't know why I did this to myself. Um I, 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 I didn't want to do this to myself, so I don't know why I did it. Um, with that being said, you know, I think that we have to be honest with ourselves um, about our life choices. Um, and in this particular case, uh, knowing, I think, the strengths and weaknesses of Amari Cooper are really important. Uh, so Cooper gets one of, I think, the true shadow shutdown corners in the NFL this week in Jalen Ramsey. Um, it's also important to know the quarterback um, and Dak Prescott, to his credit, you know, is he's not Eli Manning. He's not Brett Favre. And, and I mean that in a positive way for him. Um, there's certain quarterbacks that regardless of coverage, you know, regardless of um, game script, like they're going to go to their guy. That's just what they do. So with, when OBJ was with the Giants, um, you could put four guys on him and Eli still thought that he could get that ball in there to OBJ, <laughs> which made OBJ really safe, right? It's not good for the NFL. It's great for fantasy. Um, Dak is not like that. You know, Dak is going to take what you give him. Um, what we've seen historically, especially with Amari Cooper, um, is that when he draws a great defensive back, Dak is more than happy to go somewhere else. Um, they only got more weapons in the offseason. Yeah. I can't see a world where Dak is going to want, I mean, unless he's trying to prove a point, which doesn't seem likely to me, I can't see a world where he's going to be targeting Amari Cooper very much, especially if Jalen Ramsey does follow him around the field and shadow him. That's not a 100% guarantee, but it seems likely that that's going to happen. Um, if that does happen, you know, Cooper, I think put up a stat line against his team last year of like two catches for 15 yards. Um, now, once again, as we're always going to bring up, it depends on what's on your team, right? So um, if you don't have anyone else that's a particularly appealing option, roll Cooper into your lineup and see what happens. Um, but if you have something else on your bench, you know, maybe some of these other guys that we're going to look at, for instance, like a Deshaun Jackson, I'd be rolling Deshaun Jackson into my lineup over Amari Cooper. Um, I, I just, I, I think that you, you know, that that might sound bold. I don't mean that to be a hot take. You know, I I think that, you know, it's just kind of looking at the matchups and knowing the players. And with Amari Cooper and with Dak Prescott, you know, and knowing this matchup, I'm not, you know, if I have other options, I'm rolling other options into my lineup. No, I mean, I, I think it's, it's certainly fair knowing who he's going to draw. Like, I mean, would you essentially say like if you have michael gallup like this may not be true but like if you have michael gallup are you starting him over amari cooper i think this will answer your question i would start cd lamb over amari cooper uh, i was just you see you stole my thunder i was gonna ask that next like <laughs> yeah and, and once again I, I don't i drafted him like i don't i don't mean for this to sound like i'm trashing cooper that that's not what i'm doing um, he's going to be doing a tremendous service to that offense by taking Ramsey yeah, <laughs> away. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that that's going to be his function in the offense is taking Ramsey away. Um, and then Dak is going to be more than happy to target all of the other guys. So I, 
I would have to guess that Lamb is going to have a fine game, um, you know, for his introduction. I think mm-hmm. Gallup is really interesting. I think Blake Jarwin's interesting in this matchup. Um, I, Unless the Rams surprise us here, and they could, you know, so, so keep that in mind. Um, unless they surprise us and Ramsey does not follow Amari Cooper around the formation, then my guess is that Cooper's probably not going to catch very many passes. Yeah. Um, so we, we talked a little bit about it, but, um, you know, if you drafted Deshaun Jackson or if he's still on your waiver wire, um, you know, Deshaun's one of these players that if he's actually healthy and in the lineup, he's always an interesting start. I would absolutely start Deshaun Jackson over Amari Cooper this week. Um, the one, you know, basically healthy full game he played last year was against Washington and he torched them. Uh, I think he had like eight catches for over 100 yards and two touchdowns. Um, I'm not guaranteeing that production again, um, but if you can name another wide receiver that's playing for the Eagles this week, I will give you a prize. Um, <laughs> they're they're decimated, as we know. Um, now, to be fair, there has been positive news coming out of Eagles land um, about Jalen Rager. It sounds like he's actually progressing faster than folks thought he would be. Uh, Greg Ward is there, and he is a thing, um, but. You know, I think if you're rolling a wide receiver, a Philly wide receiver into your lineup, it's Deshaun Jackson. And, you know, he's probably not going to be seeing, you know, 15 targets or anything like that. But his targets are going to be deep down the field. Um, and since he entered the league, he's been one of the best at converting those into touchdowns. Uh, I'd feel very comfortable with Deshaun Jackson as a wide receiver three this week. All right, let's move over to the tight ends. We'll go through the tight end ones. So speaking of teams with decimated wide receiving <laughs> cores, uh, George Kittle is number one. Uh, he, you know, depending on game script in this, if Arizona actually can score points against San Francisco, uh, George Kittle could see 30 targets. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's almost literally the only player left uh, over there in San Fran, and he's an awesome player. Uh, Kelsey, number two, um, as always, that always looks good. Kelsey's incredible. I was watching him last night thinking this guy will be 50, still hauling in eight catches for two touchdowns from Pat Mahomes. Uh, Mark Andrews at three, Ertz at four, Waller at five, uh, Hunter Henry, Tyler Higby, Hayden Hurst, Evan Ingram at nine, Jared Cook at 10, um, Rob Gronkowski, and then Noah Fant rounding out. Um, the tight end ones at number 12. As I read that off, um, what thoughts do you have, Brandon? Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about this earlier where like tight ends, like just the value, I mean, the position as a whole, after you get through the top three or top four, it kind of really tails off. But I think there's certainly some winnable matchups here. I think Hayden Hurst against Seahawks jumps out to me. Jared Cook against the Bucks is always dependable in that offense. Um I mean, even, like, let's say you missed out on Zach Ertz, even at Dallas Goddard, like, we just talked about how bad the Eagles wide receivers are. You could see Carson Wentz leaning on his tight end. So Dallas Goddard at 13 could have a, a pretty good week if you're if you're struggling or if you have, um, just looking here, like an Evan Ingram against Pittsburgh that you're not as confident in. I would be okay with going with Goddard in that situation. Absolutely. Um, you know, with, with tight ends, because it's a onesie position, um, you know, there's not um, a, a ton of folks, I guess, depending on the depth of your rosters that carry two tight ends on their roster. 
I think in general, our, our recommendation is going to be if you felt good enough to draft the player, you're probably rolling out them out there in week one. Uh, we, we did warn you in the tight end episode against drafting Gronk. Um, he is listed in the, you know, tight end ones. He's a, the tight end 11. I mean, I think if there's anyone here that, you know, I, I don't feel great about, it's Gronk. Um, but there's, you know, no different analysis than what we gave you in that tight end um, episode. I'm concerned about the snap counts. I'm concerned about the role. Um, but with that being said, if you have the conviction and you drafted Gronk, roll him out there. Um, you know, if you drafted Hooper, roll him out there, John U. Smith, um, go with your guy. Uh, but definitely, I think, keep an eye on the rest of the tight end landscape. Uh, I think Brandon and I had mentioned in the tight end episode that there's a lot of very interesting guys that are outside of the tight end one landscape. And I think a few of these guys are going to blow up this year. Your Blake Jarwins, um, you know, keep an eye on the rest of it. And if you don't like what you saw from your guy and there's someone else that looks like maybe they're taking that leap, We'll talk more about those folks, certainly, in the, the waiver episode on Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, I, if, if there is one deep sleeper, like if, if your tight end waiver wire is just decimated and this guy's out there, I would consider starting Eric Ebron against the Giants. I mean, we know Big Ben loves his tight ends. Um, so going up against that Giants defense, I think he has a chance to maybe four or five receptions and a touchdown this week. Yeah, he's gotten a lot of positive buzz out of uh, Steelers camp. Um, you know, um, what was uh, what was that old tight end that Ben used to love throwing to in Pittsburgh? I mean, there was Heath Miller. Heath Miller is that- the one I'm thinking of. Um, you know, it, it's kind of been all over the map with tight ends since Heath Miller left. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that being said, I mean, there there is some potential history there. Um, and Ebron has had a good year. I mean, he had that great year with the Colts a few years ago. Yeah. He is very good around the end zone. Um, I, I would definitely feel comfortable rolling Ebron in, especially against the Giants, who historically, um, you know, as any Cowboys fan would know, have been very poor against the tight end. Um, yeah. And, you know, the, if there's one thing the Giants do well, it's stop the run. Um, that's not to say that you shouldn't roll out James Conner. I think he's going to have plenty of opportunity, and he'll probably catch a lot of passes. Um but I think the Steelers are going to find pretty quickly that trying to run the ball against the Giants is not the game plan. Um, Dave Gettleman loves to draft 350-pound men specifically with the purpose of stopping the run. Um, he's not as fond of drafting anyone else. <laughs> so, um, but passing against the Giants will, will prove to be a much easier feat. I would have to guess that that's the direction that the Steelers are going to go. All right, moving into defense. So we will start with the defensive linemen. Um, for all the defensive positions, we're, it's a, a little less standardized in terms of how many folks, you know, people tend to have on their defense. So we're just going to go through the first 12 for all these positions. As a reminder, if you're interested in the, the ECR list, go to fantasypros.com um, to the rankings. And, you know, they, they have individual defensive players there in the rankings. So for the defensive linemen, they have... Joey Bosa at one, Aaron Donald, Nick Bosa, Miles Garrett, Cam Jordan, Cam Hayward, Carlos Dunlap, uh, J.J. Watt, who we already talked about at eight, Melvin Ingram, Sam Hubbard, Demarcus Lawrence, and DeForest Buckner rounding out um, the DL1s. Are there any names that stand out to you here, Brandon? Yeah, I mean... Right off the bat, I'm looking at Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram um, going up against the Bengals. Their offensive line has been 
pretty terrible the last few years, and now they have a rookie quarterback under center. Um, I think if there's a chance for that for a tandem to rack up sack totals, I think it's going to be the Chargers. And, and this even applies for anyone who's doing team defenses. Go get the Chargers and start them this week. I think this is a good matchup for them going up against a rookie like that. Um, I, I think those were the, the two that really jumped out to me. I think it's interesting that they also have Carlos Dunlap and Sam Hubbard. Um, I think the Chargers have a little bit of better offensive line, um, and you do have a mobile quarterback in Tyrod Taylor. Um, so I don't know if I'd be as high on those two as they have them. It could be tackle opportunity. Both of those yeah. guys are actually pretty good at <clears throat> uh, racking up solo tackles and assisted tackles. I would have to guess the Chargers are going to be running the ball a lot in that game <laughs> uh, yeah. if, if they happen to get up. Um, so it, it could be that maybe more than the sacks. So one, I mean, if, if you have him, you're probably rolling him out there. But one I'm a little bit lower on is Aaron Donald. Um, I, I love Aaron Donald, um, but having him at two is a little bit head-scratching for me. Uh, the, they're going up against Dallas, and I mean, one of the strengths of Dallas for the last well, like seven years has been the offensive line. Mm-hmm. I mean, now certainly up the middle, they've gotten a little bit weaker. You know, they, they lost Travis Frederick. Um, but still, I mean, you're talking about two of the better guards in the league. I would have to guess that like always Aaron Donald is going to see a steady stream of double teams. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think if I had other options up there, I'd, I'd much rather roll out some other options than Aaron Donald. I, I don't see him personally is the the second best option this week yeah i mean again you just mentioned it is game script like do they think that the cowboys are just going to pound the rock with zeke up the middle like and he gets tackles in that regards Uh, yeah i mean in terms of the talent he's going up against i think the cowboys do have typically one of the better offensive lines i mean you look at the colts i think colts are the best but um i'm just wondering if they think it's Zeke's going to get the ball a lot. They're going to pound the rock. Um, and Donald will be able to get five, six solo tackles because of that. Yeah, it, it could be. And, I mean, <clears throat> don't get me wrong. I mean, there, there's no double team Aaron Donald has ever seen that he doesn't think that he can shed anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and he's that good. Um, but, I mean, they've got him over, you know, Nick Bosa. Yeah. Um, Cam Hayward, who I'm sure is going to eat the Giants alive. I mean, there's there's plenty of guys here, I guess I'm saying, that I think I'd feel a little bit more confident rolling out there. Once again, I'm not telling you to sit Aaron Donald, um, but you know, if you're in a league that only plays one defensive lineman or something like that, if you've got other options, I, I might consider other options over Aaron Donald. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Chase Young going against the Eagles? That Eagles line is decimated. Yep. Um, I actually think that the entire Washington defensive line is playable. Uh, the Eagles are going to have a hard time. They, they're going to have a, t- a particularly hard time, um, I think, at the tackle spot. It's going to be interesting to see where they deploy Chase Young, if mm-hmm. they move him around the formation, You know what they do there. Um, you know, Jason Peters just got kicked out to tackle due to injury. Now, Peters is, is a Hall of Fame level talent, but he's also ancient at this point. Um, you know, is he going to be able to to slide quick enough to stop Chase Young from getting uh-huh. to the edge? I would be stunned if he still has the mobility to do that. Um, you know, and then on the, the right hand side, I mean, I, 
the, the guard situation isn't good for Philadelphia. I I actually feel really good about Washington's defensive line against yeah. Philly. It's actually one of the reasons that I'm a little lower on Carson Wentz than than you are. Um, I think that they're going to have a hard time passing against Washington. Um, yeah, they're they're going to have to do a lot of quick hitters because I think if if Carson Wentz hangs back there, um, that defensive line is going to cause some serious issues for him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I can't disagree with that. I think just another name to throw out there if you're looking for some D line help is Kenny Clark with the Packers. He's going up against Minnesota, another team that's probably going to run the ball a lot. Um, being in the middle of that line, he's going to get plenty of work and plenty of opportunities to tackles. Oh, for sure. And and at the back end there, um, DeForest Buckner, I think, is going to endear himself to Colts fans pretty quickly against the Jaguars. <laughs> yeah, that's probably fair. He's going to have a good time. Um, I, I think because we never mentioned him, we should also bring up that uh, Chris Jones looked like the best defensive player on the field last night. He was incredible. Um, he had a sack and a half. I mean, I think he single-handedly ruined a few drives for the Texans. He was well worth the investment. Um, and you know, he was listed just outside the deal ones. Um, Chris Jones is, is excellent, you know, and I think, you know, barring injury, Chris Jones is, is going to be a force to be reckoned with. Um, especially considering that a lot of teams are going to be playing catch up just like last night. Um, and that's going to be a challenge all night long (laughs) for offenses to keep Chris Jones out of the backfield. All right, let's get into the linebackers. So our linebacker ones, uh, no surprise, Darius Leonard is listed at one, Bobby Wagner at two, and then we've got Blake Martinez, Joe Schobert, Corey Littleton, Jalon Smith, Roquan Smith, Jordan Hicks, Deion Jones, Levante David, Demario Davis, I got it this time, uh, <laughs> and uh, Leighton Vander Esch, LVE at number 12. Um, are there names that stand out to you here, streamers that you'd be thinking about at linebacker? Yeah, so just those top 12, I'm probably looking at the guys that I think are going to go up against a run-heavy offense or game script is going to indicate a run-heavy um, plan. So, like, again, we're talking about the Colts running away from the Jaguars. So Joe Schobert's one that jumps out to me right away. Um, I think he's going to probably be on the field a lot. Um and he'll probably rack up tackles. Uh, Roquan Smith against Detroit, I think, if especially if Kenny Galladay is out and the Lions going and getting Adrian Peterson, I could see them leaning heavily on the run. That's a great opportunity for him to rack up some tackles there. Jordan Hicks against the 49ers, we know they lean heavily on the run. Um, those are the ones that jump out the most to me. Um, I really like... Christian Kirksey just out of the top 12 at 15. Um, Devin Bush against the Giants at 13. I think those are probably the ones that jump out the most to me. And then obviously, if if you want to go a little deeper, Patrick Queen at 22. Yeah, I love the Kirksey call. Um, I'm actually very shocked that they didn't have Kirksey inside the LB1s. Um, I mean, you know, we we talked about Kirksey on the linebacker show. Um, I was low on Kirksey and I think Brandon was a little bit too, but that was a hundred percent because of injury and not because of, um, you know, opportunity as well as talent. Yeah. He's healthy, he's talented, and he's going up against a team that only wants to run the football. Um, I mean, I, I, I would have Kirksey in my top five. I think he's, he's going to be awesome. Yeah, I mean, and even just going down a little further, I'm just looking here at number 29, A.J. Johnson going against the Titans. 
Titans is another run-heavy team. They're going to try to pound the rock. They're going to try to grind it out. He's A.J. Johnson is their starting inside linebacker. I think he's going to have plenty of opportunity at tackles. I would agree. You know, and I, I know I um, <clears throat> was not uh, particularly high on Miles Jack, but um, as we, we talked about with, you know, what we're expecting to be a tremendously run-heavy approach for the Colts against the Jaguars, um, you know, even a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and again. I think that's the <laughs> phrase. Um, there's going to be more than enough opportunity for Miles Jack to rack up some numbers here. Uh, they've got him at linebacker 38. I'd have him much higher than that. I, I think he's going to be able to definitely rack up some opportunity. Yeah. All right. Um, then let's slide into the defensive backs to wrap this up. So at one is Buda Baker. Two is Jamal Adams. Landon Collins, John Johnson, Harrison Smith, Jordan Poyer, Jabril Peppers, Tracy Walker, Keanu Neal, Taylor Rapp, Jesse Bates, and Honey Badger at number 12. Uh, Honey Badger, by the way, I don't think we talked about him either. He was great last night. I think he had eight tackles, um, which is impressive considering how little (laughs) the Kansas City defense was on the field. Uh, he was everywhere. I mean, I think everyone already knows that about Honey Badger, but he's he's incredible. He makes that defense go. Well, and he didn't he have the big hit on um, Deshaun Watson that caused the interception? He did. Yeah, he yeah. was the one that got in there. He, he's an incredible player. Yeah. Uh, there's there's no two ways around that. Speaking of which, I'm I'm uh, Sneed. I think that rookie actually looked really really good for Kansas City. Yeah, he did. Um, you know, if you're in a cornerback league, especially one that. Um, you know, prioritizes interceptions and stuff. Um, Sneed actually, I mean, he had a, a ton of playtime last time, last night. Seems like the Chiefs really trust him. Um, you know, and and I think that that's an important thing to think about. So a lot of people were high on Willie Gay coming in. Willie Gay didn't play. Um, I think yeah. he, he played on special teams. Um, you know, so that shows that the the Chiefs they they'll play rookies if they're comfortable with them if they trust them and if not then the rookies aren't going to play yet uh they're clearly comfortable with Snead. they're clearly comfortable with clyde edwards hilaire willie gay's not there yet um that doesn't mean he won't get there but he you know he's clearly not there yet so if if you um, were in the position of drafting willie gay if you've got enough room on your roster to hold on to him i'd hold on to him if you don't then i would just cut him um you know and kind of keep your eye on him moving forward to see if they start to trust him and put him in the lineup all right. Um, in terms of names that stand out to you at defensive back, um, is anything standing out in those DB ones? Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously Landon Collins is at number three. I, I love Landon Collins. I think you draft him, you're going to start him, and you're going to be happy. Um, I like the Rams' safeties this week against Dallas. I think that's a great matchup for them. Um, going a little further down, Jabril Peppers I like against uh, the Steelers, I think that's a good matchup. And then just kind of looking outside the top 12, I like Justin Simmons with the Broncos against the Titans. Um, and even Terrell Edmonds against the Giants. I think those are all really good matchups. And then obviously I think Bradley McDougal at 22 uh, for the Jets, I think is going to be a good matchup for him with the Bills probably being on the field a lot and potentially just running the ball. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I really have no issue with the top 12. I, <clears throat> you know, I think that these are um, 12 that I would absolutely feel comfortable rolling out there, um, you know, d- depending on who you have in your lineup. I mm-hmm. think that they all have, you know, safe, good matchups. Um, we talked about this on the DB episode, so I'll just reiterate it. 
Um, I think that Jesse Bates, uh, his role feels pretty secure to me um, mm-hmm. in terms of his snap counts. Um, I'm still nervous about Von Bell uh, and Sean Williams. So, I mean, if I had an opportunity to put someone else in my lineup, I probably would just to see yeah. what those snap counts look like week one for those two. Um, and then, you know, one for me outside of the DB ones that, that I like a lot. Well, I guess there's a couple, um, Terrell Edmonds, I think for Pittsburgh, um, yeah. you know, I, it'll depend on how, how much the giants are on the field, but assuming that there's going to be some garbage time action there, I think Terrell Edmonds could definitely clean some of that up. Um, and you know, we know that it'll be interesting to see what the Tampa Bay offense looks like. Uh, but we know that Brady tends to do a lot of dinking and dunking, which gives a lot of opportunity for tackles. Um, I think that Malcolm Jenkins could have a really nice week, uh, going up against Brady and the bucks. Uh, he's certainly, you know, he's been here forever. He knows how Brady plays. I think Malcolm Jenkins will be around the football a lot. He's listed at DB19 right now. Yeah, I can't argue with that. I mean, I, I think if there's one guy, and we talked about him, that I'm probably holding off on, and he's far, he's far down these rankings, but, like, Logan Ryan. I, I think he had a great year last year with the Titans, but now he's coming into the Giants, and I think he is going to be a starter, and he's going to be someone you can start in the coming weeks, but he is shifting to safety. He is learning a new defense, came in late into training camp. This is probably a week that I hold off and wait and see what he does. Yeah, so it's going to be very interesting. I've been monitoring that situation. Now, we know that depth charts don't mean a whole lot around this time of year. Uh, snap counts is what you really want to look at. Um, yep. So until you get that data, it's it's kind of hard to know. The Giants did list Julian Love as their free safety. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and Logan Ryan... Um, isn't listed as a starter anywhere. Now we both know he's going to play. Um, I think the interesting part is going to be how to they how do the Giants deploy him, um, mm-hmm. and what does that look like? I I still think he's going to be a moving chess piece for them. Um, you know, so that's going to be a really interesting one to watch week one. You know what that looks like. It, it might be a situation with him where you know he's he's on the field eighty plus percent of the snaps it might be hard to determine what his position is um, because I think that he's just going to be out there on the field with a specific role in mind. This is what I think they were going to do with Xavier McKinney. Um, And I think they're going to use him to confuse defenses. I don't think you're going to know what he's doing any play. Sometimes he's probably going to be the slot cornerback. Other times they might move him out wide. And sometimes I think he's going to be in the middle of the field standing there and he's going to end up being a single high safety. Um, Mm -hmm. we'll have to see how that translates to defensive production. Um, so, I mean, he's going to be very fascinating to watch week one for sure. Yeah. As we mentioned, moving forward, um, we'll get this episode out and then you will hear back from us again. Uh, the next episode will come out, uh, hopefully as early as I can get it out Tuesday morning, um, talking about waiver wire priorities. Um, we're going to have to film waiver shows on Monday night. So um, just as a heads up, it's not going to include players likely from the Monday night football game. Uh, If there's anything interesting in terms of waiver priority that comes out of the Monday night football game, you can guarantee that mildly defensive will tweet that out. So remember uh, just a quick thing to remember, if you haven't followed us yet, please follow us at mildly defensive um, to get kind of all of that up-to-date information starts it um, especially as we get closer to games so for brandon and i uh, thanks once again have a great week